Morning Faith Life. Morning Faith Life and everybody else that joins us uh, each week on a Sunday morning and maybe the rest of the week as well. Um, it's so good to be with you this morning and we've yeah, got... It's just a fantastic Sunday yeah. morning to be together. I know we can't be here physically but we get to share online um, and we, we, we're still one body, one yeah. body in Christ who uh, get to gather together on a Sunday morning. Yeah, and we've just enjoyed some good worship with Mike and Flick. And thank you, Maggie and Phil, for leading us in yeah. communion. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so we have got another part of Mark's preach this morning. And I know that is going no, to no, bless us. No, it's a new topic this morning. Oh, it's a new topic. It is, yeah. But it sort of fits, it, doesn't it? It follows so, on, kind of. Yeah, yeah, it's about how to resist temptation. And actually, the one that puts often temptation in the front of us is the enemy isn't it yeah we've been looking at uh, how to kick the enemy out of our life over the last few weeks and so i think this is a, a really good one to follow with as we look at temptation and um before we i pray for mark uh, i just wanted to reread uh, a scripture that i brought last week it's something that i've been uh, looking at even more and meditating on and I think it's a really key verse for us in our Christian walk and particularly at this time. Um, so just to remind us before we go into Mark's preach from 2 Corinthians 3 uh, verse 18 which says but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the spirit of the lord and as we behold jesus as we look face to face into jesus's face and i talked last week about the veil is now removed we can come straight into the presence of god and we can spend time with jesus talking to him uh, all the good stuff, all the difficult stuff, and then hearing his voice. And as we are doing that, the Holy Spirit gives us everything that we need for, for life and for godliness, to transform us, uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, Paul says in Romans 12. It's so important to have our re minds renewed. But it's the Holy Spirit's job to do that as we uh, meet with him and we surrender everything to him and in that place of presence so being with Jesus face to face in his presence that is where the majority of the things that we need to do take place so I just want to keep encouraging us in that take time with him uh, beginning of the day if you can but throughout the day as well be in his presence talk to him and let him talk to you and as we now go into the preach and I'm going to pray for Mark um, Holy Spirit I ask that your presence will fill us and that we receive something from you as we behold Jesus face to face so um, I will pray for you and then we can go into another yeah. great preach that I know is going to bless us so father I thank you for your word I thank you for your anointing that is on Mark to bring your word into our hearts right now as we pray.
prepare our hearts to receive from you. I thank you, Father, for giving us food this morning. I ask that the word that Mark brings will transform us, will help us in our walk, and will help us keep the enemy out of our life. So thank you for your word, Father. Thank you for your presence, Father. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for all that you are going to do in us and through us. Amen. 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 Okay, so today I think probably just this is kind of a, a one-off sermon. It's not part of the series, but as Cheryl said, it, it follows on really from the things that I've been talking about on kicking the devil out of your life. I'm going to start with kind of a, a recap of some basic principles. And then we're going to be going to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So you might want to find that in advance. But this morning, what I'm going to be talking about is how to deal with temptation, how to overcome it, how to get past it, how to not be bothered by it again. Okay, so let's start with some basic principles. And And the first principle is this, that our thoughts can be influenced by either God or the devil. And some people, they think, well, you know, it's all that devil stuff, don't really, don't really get all that. But the, the fact is there is a spiritual reality. And in that spiritual reality, there are only two sides. There's no middle ground. You, there's either the kingdom of God or the kingdom of the enemy. And uh, even before Jesus went to the cross, we saw those two sides in operation. I, I don't know if you, you've, you've seen this before. I've certainly taught on it before. But when, um, when Peter, uh, Jesus comes to the disciples and he says, well, who do people say I am? And the disciples come up with all sorts of different ideas, Elijah and Moses and, and so on. And Jesus turns to them and he says, but who do you say I am? And that's such a crucial question, isn't it? Who do you say I am? That kind of determines our whole picture of Jesus. And Peter came out, came out with this incredible statement saying, you're the Messiah. And he recognised Jesus as Messiah. And Jesus said, flesh and blood have not revealed you to, that to you, Simon Barjona, but that was revealed to you by your Father in heaven, by God. And so we see Peter's thoughts being influenced and given revelation by God. And, and it's still the same for us today. The Holy Spirit's job is to get revelation to us. But we don't have to wind on very far. In fact, we only have to wind on a few sentences. And Jesus starts talking about how he's going to go and suffer at the cross. And Simon says, well, Simon Peter says, but no, forbid it, Lord. That's not going to happen. And, and, he, and he starts to protest. And Jesus says what? He says, get ye behind me, Satan. And so we go from Peter's thoughts being influenced and given direct revelation by God to being influenced by the enemy. And so there's a spiritual battle that is taking place in our thought life. And that spiritual battle produces real thoughts, real concerns and produces real actions. And because of that, we have to choose where we're going to stand. Now, let me, let me be blunt with you. If you aren't actively seeking God, if you are going after God, if, if you are not purposing after him, then 
the thoughts and beliefs that influence you and which you lead your life will not be godly. They will be from the enemy. There is no middle ground, as I've already said. And if we just lean on our own understanding, then the truth is that we will gravitate towards the ways of the world. And the ways of the world are influenced by the enemy. The patterns, the belief systems of the world are influenced by that negative spiritual kingdom of the enemy. Now, before I go any further, because I'm dealing with this topic of temptation, what I want you to really understand, because this is where the enemy will tie us up in knots if we don't understand it, and, and some people will regard this as controversial, but nevertheless, I'm going to show you it's true. Temptation is not sin. To be tempted is not wrong. To act on temptation, that's sin. But temptation itself is not wrong. Temptation itself is not sin. You, you cannot avoid temptation because the enemy is always feeding that to you. And the, and, and the world around you, which is influenced by the enemy, is also feeding those things to you. And your own flesh uh, responds to those things. But temptation itself is not sin. How do I know that? Well, I know that because in Hebrews chapter 4, 15, chapter 4, verse 15, um, it says that Jesus himself was tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. So the temptation itself isn't sin because Jesus was tempted in every way just as we are, but he didn't sin. And the, the, the outcome we're looking for is that we respond less and less to temptation and we know how to deal with it so that we don't sin either. So let's, let's go on with these, these basic principles that I'm talking about. And I, I'm, I'm trying to go slowly through these so we, we, we really see what the issue is and, and, and where it comes down to. When we're dealing with temptation, when we're dealing with sin, when we're dealing with our flesh, when we're dealing with all the things that are going on around us, when we're dealing with the ups and downs of life, it is a battleground. It is a battleground between two kingdoms. And we live in that battleground. And negative things that come against us are often influenced by spiritual forces behind them. Because the enemy, the devil, continues to work in those who are not yet believers. And in, to some extent, he still works in believers to the extent we walk according to our flesh and not according to our spirit. But the truth is this, that we as born-again believers are no longer in the kingdom of the enemy. We're no longer dominated by him. We, we don't have to follow those things. We're in a different camp. We're in a different kingdom. And that gives us the ability to not respond to temptation and to walk free of sin. Um, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 2, it says this, and I'll, I'll just read it. It says, You were made alive who were dead in your sins in which you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So that, 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 that whole passage is written in, in terms of ourselves in the past tense. We used to be like that. We used to follow that. We used to walk according to the course of this world. We used to walk according to the prince of the power of the air. But now... We're different. 
Now, but that same spirit still works in the sons of disobedience, those who are unbelievers. Now, what, you've got to hear me clearly here because I'm not, I'm not saying everybody's demon-possessed. <laughs> Quite the opposite. Uh, that's, that's, that's extremely rare. But instead, what I am saying is that the thoughts and actions of people in the world are influenced and reinforced by the lies of the enemy and the culture of the world which the enemy influences. And because of that, we couldn't just get free of that on our own. That's why we needed a saviour uh, and needed to be born again to come out from under that into a new freedom, a new kingdom. And the power of Christ's victory on the cross broke that dominating power in our life and set us free. And when we accept Jesus as our Lord, when we accept him as a saviour, we walk free again. In fact, one of the, 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 the verses that I absolutely love is from Colossians chapter 1, and I think it's verse 13, and it says, You have been delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear son. And, you know, that, that word translated into the kingdom, the, the word translated, you could also, uh, well, you could also have translated, translated as transferred. And it's a bit like it's going on at the moment in the football realm. You know, people are transferring from one club to another so that, that that club that they used to be owned by, that they used to have their contract with, now no longer has any rights over them, uh, no co longer can use their images, no longer can use their name, we, they can't demand that they play for them, but they, they've signed up with a new club, they've been delivered from that old contract and transferred to a new contract and that new contract is with their new club that they play for and it's the same with us. We were transferred out of that old kingdom that used to have ownership of us that used to rule us and now we're in the kingdom of Jesus the son of God's love and because of that we don't have to always give in to temptation we don't have to go down that sin road we don't have to follow that road you see God has for us he has good things for us positive things helpful things life-giving things things that, that give us joy and peace and freedom and, and just all the good things of life. You see, Jesus, when he came, and this is really important to us, is a, a grounding principle in our Christian walk, is that God intends good for us, the enemy intends bad. Jesus himself said in, in John chapter 10, verse 10, he said that the thief, he comes to steal, kill and destroy. But I've come so that you can have life and life in all its fullness. And that seems pretty clear to me. If it's bad, if it steals from you, if it's killing you, if it's making you sick, if it's bringing destruction in your life, if it's ruining your relationships, it's the enemy's activity, the enemy's way of thinking, the world's course of things that is bringing that into your life. If it's good, if it gives you life, if it gives you health, if it gives you freedom, it's Jesus. And, you know, some people want to go around, they want to blame God for, for, the good, for the good things in their life, but they want to blame him for the bad things as well. And Jesus said, ah, 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 that's not how it works. The bad, that's the enemy. Let's get this clear, because otherwise you'll end up uh, um, cooperating with the enemy and resisting God. So Jesus, Jesus wants to make it really clear, good things come from God. 
bad things come from the enemy. There's a dividing line between the two. You don't get bad things from God and you don't get good things from the enemy. And it's important that we keep that really clear because somehow in the church over the, over the centuries, we've managed to confuse that and we've managed to give God the blame for, for all the bad things. And the good things, we kind of go, well, that's all my own sweat. God, you know, God had nothing to do with that. No, God blessed you. God gave you a new life. God gave you a new birth through his spirit. He's blessed you in all things in heavenly places. He's given you everything you need for life and godliness. God wants good things for you. And he wants you to be able to walk beyond temptation into freedom. So how do we do that? Well, let's get on to that now. We've got those basic principles in place. That your thoughts can be influenced by God or they can be influenced by the kingdom of the enemy. Temptation is not sin. Uh, you live in a battle zone where you, you, you have negative thoughts and negative actions around you from the people influenced by the enemy. But God intends good for you and the enemy intends bad for you. And therefore, temptation comes from the enemy. Always from the enemy. God is not in the business of tempting you, putting you in situations you can't handle. God is in the business of blessing you and taking you through situations that he can handle. And that's, how, that's those basic principles I want you to put in place. So we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 now. Um, but before I do so, I just wanted to kind of relate a couple of things to, to give you kind of a, an understanding of where I'm coming from on this. One of the things that I think both Cheryl and I have noticed, but usually it's been me that's had to deal with it, is that whenever uh, we, we seem to be getting breakthrough in the church, whenever the Holy Spirit starts moving strongly, when we, we, we're stepping into the miraculous, uh, when, whenever that, there's that sort of sense of that happening in our church, something always seems to raise its head. And the issue that without fail raises its head is pornography, addiction to pornography. And one of the things that, that I've discovered in that in terms of, of counselling people and helping them to get free of that is that I've had a number of different reactions to it. And I, and I remember, this is, this is many years ago now, I remember dealing with somebody and they would come, they would tell me about this, they would tell me about how it happened how they'd, they'd started looking at these images again and uh, you know they, they, they couldn't help it but it just kind of happened and it, and, it, and I, I would kind of counsel them tell you tell them some of the things I'm telling you this morning and they go away and then a few months later they'd be back again and it would be the same thing and it would be the same thing and they were stuck in this they kept coming back and nothing had changed and each time as they told their story I kind of started caught on that there was a, a specific problem that was in and common to each story. And it was this. And I, and I asked this question when, when this person came to me uh, after a few visits. I said, so let me just understand this. Where, where does it happen? Where, where is it that this, this starts to take over? How do you get caught up in this? And what we discovered is it that it was the same place every time. It was the news agents down at the end of their road. And this, this, this guy had got in this position that 
Every time he went in the newsagents, although he didn't want to, he found himself looking at the magazines and then he found himself buying them and then he found himself looking at them and then he found himself hiding them so he didn't get caught having them and so on. And it was always the same place. And I said to him, well, perhaps you need to avoid going in there. And what he said to me really brought home the heart of the problem here. He said to me this, he said, are you telling me that I should run from temptation. Because I think that if I'm a strong believer, really what I'm aiming for is that I should be able to go into that place and it won't bother me. I need setting free of this so I can go in there and it won't bother me. So you just set me free of it and then I can carry on going in there. And I, he said, you know, I really need to show how strong I am. And I, I just remember saying to him, well, Right at this moment, you're proving to me that in this area, you're not strong. And you need to get out of there. You need to not go in there. And so, and he said, well, where do you get that from? Where, where do you get that from? And I'm thinking, oh, do you want to be free? So this is where this passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 comes in. So let's go there. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let me, where shall I start? Well, let me start uh, at verse 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. Now all these things happen to them for examples. They are written as an admonition to us upon whom the end of the age has come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed in case he falls. And that, that seemed to me that was exactly the situation I was dealing with. Somebody thought they could stand and they, they were kind of oblivious to the fact that every time they went in that situation they fell let him who stands who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall no temptation has take as has taken you except that which is common to man god is faithful and he will not permit you to be tempted above what you can endure or what you can manage but will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. So, my beloved, flee from idolatry, and speaking as to wise men. So you need to judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. Now I just want to go on a bit because this is really interesting, although it's kind of culturally obscure to us. Consider Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What am I saying then? That the idol is anything or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they are sacrificed to demons and not to God. And I don't want you to have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of demons. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he is? And so... Just looking at, at those verses, 
And I, I kind of didn't really understand what was going on here for a long time. And then I was listening to something from uh, just this tremendous uh, scholar of Greek called Rick Renner. And he was talking about the church in Corinth. And he was talking about this particular passage. And he described what was happening here. And what was happening is that we were dealing with the pagan temple. And in that pagan temple, the citizens offered sacrifices to their gods. And because it was a sacrifice to their gods, they, 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 what they were bringing is the very best, the, the first and prime cuts of, of meat. And when the sacrifices were finished and the worship was over, the, the priests would get all this meat together, they'd clean it off, and they put it outside the temple and sell it. And I had no idea this was going on until, until, I, until I saw this. But this, this is kind of from historical references. So the priests were taking the meat that was set up as a sacrifice to idols. And they were cleaning it off. And they were selling it outside the temple. And that meant that if you lived in Corinth right there and then. If you wanted the best meat, the best cuts of meat, the juiciest meat, you wanted your fillet steak that was yummy and, and juicy and all great. If you wanted the, the, the best meat, you went to the temple to buy your meat. You wanted the best cut, you went to the temple. You wanted the tastiest cuts, you went to the temple. And the money that these, these cuts of meat that had previously been sacrificed or bought as sacrifices, the money that... The, the, these cuts of meat sold for were pocketed by the priests and they helped fund their, 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 their lives and it funded the temple in, in, in Corinth. Now what I want you to see here, and it's really important, the meat is not the problem that Paul is talking about. Although I've given you a lot of background on the meat. The meat is not the problem he's talking about. The problem is the location from which the meat is being bought. Because in the temple, there was a lot of demonic stuff going on. There was a lot of perverse stuff going on. There was a lot of really strange sexual activity going on. And, you know, these, these people who'd been saved from that, who'd been delivered from that, who had become born again, who'd become Christians in the Corinthian church... They were going, they were buying these cuts of meat, and while they were buying these cuts of meat, some of their old mates, they'd come along to them and go, come on, you know, come, just, just pop in, see what, Uncle, ben, your Uncle Ben's in there, you know, he's just in the precinct, come, come on through, just come and have a chat, you know, just come and join in with us. And these people were getting dragged back into that old lifestyle. They, they were seeing the things that they'd been set free from, and they were gravitating back to those things. And that was the place they'd been saved out of and they'd already been delivered from. And now they were putting themselves back in that old environment, seeing stuff they used to be involved in, seeing stuff that their flesh used to enjoy, feeling things they hadn't felt for a long time and getting pulled back into it. And, and what Paul says in verse 19 and 20, he's saying, Guys, the issue isn't the meat. The issue is the fact that there's demonic activity behind the meat. You, you, you're dealing in the things of demons and not the things of the kingdom. And he says, you, you, don't, you shouldn't fellowship with this. What does that mean? Well, fellowship there is, is a word we use in, in Christian circles. It's koinona or koinona or however you like to pronounce it. I've heard so many pronunciations of that word. 
But what it means is to participate with or get involved with them. And Paul's saying, you going there is getting you involved with, getting you participating in, putting right before your eyes and, and stirring things in your flesh, and you don't want to go there. Better to avoid the meat, better to not get such a tasty cut of your meat, better to go to the butchers, avoid it, don't go to that place. So that's the background to what's on, going on. And then he says, let's go back to verse 13. No temptation has taken you except what is common to man. That word, th those words translated common to man are anthropinos, and it means that Paul's using a particular word there, and, and, and the word anthropinos is translated unexceptional, ordinary, merely human, nothing notable about it. And what Paul's actually saying is, actually, if you have a clear understanding, if you're seeing things clearly, you will realise that every temptation is unexceptional. It's ordinary. It's merely human. Now, here's the problem that Paul's identifying, and you're probably identifying straight away, which is if you're caught right in the middle of this, it feels exceptional. It feels like you're the only one that can't go free. You're the only one with this problem. You're the only one stuck with it. You're the only one. Nobody understands what you're talking about. Nobody understands why you're reverting to this. It's got a hold of your emotions, it's got a hold of your flesh, it's got a hold of your feelings, it's got a hold of your, all, your, all your innermost drives. And here's what Paul says. Stop. Put those emotions on hold and step out of the situation. And if you do that, you will see that it's pretty unexceptional. It's just the same as any other human is exposed to. And because of that, that gives us hope. Because what he's really saying is, you're not alone in this. And because you're not alone in this, you can now start to realise that there's a lot of other people have conquered the issue that you're dealing with. A lot of other people have walked free from this. A lot of other people have come through, out the other side of it, and never looked back, never gone back. How did they do that? How did they stop being overwhelmed by this? How did they stop responding to that temptation? How did they get past that temptation? Well, here's what happened. Here's what happened. Is God says, you are not tempted beyond what you are able to bear. Now that might come as a surprise to some of us because we feel like we can't get free and we feel like we're tempted beyond what we'd be able to bear. But the truth is, the truth which we believe, the truth which God speaks is we are not being pushed beyond what we can bear. We are not being pushed beyond what we can get free of. So that's not the problem. The temptation is not the problem because God has already said that's not beyond what you can bear. The problem isn't, is that we are not making use of what God has given us. Now look at this, look at this really carefully. But will God with the temptation also makes a way of escape that you will be able to get out or you will be able to bear it. Now what's that saying? Well, it's really kind of crucial here and, and it, 
that's why sometimes we, we need to dig deep into passages to understand what they're really saying. But this, this that, that phrase translated, make the way of escape, is a, is a Greek word, ekbasis, ekbasis. And the word ek, it's a compound word, and the word, part of it, ek, means out, and basis means to step out. So what it, uh, sorry, to step. So what it's actually saying is to step out of. So we put, if you put that back into the context of that verse, what it is saying is this, God will make a way for you to walk out of that situation. So look for the way and then take it. Because he's saying, because it's this word basis, what it, what it is it's trying to communicate to it is not just that God has made a way to get out of the situation, but there's an action that we take to get out of the situation. And the two are the same thing. The way out is the action that we take. And what, what it's saying is the way of escape is in your shoes. And it's called your feet. The way of escape is you step out of this. You step out. Just like you walked into a bad place, turn around and walk right out of there. Just like you walked into a negative conversation, turn around, walk away from that negative conversation. Just like you walked into, in the case I was describing, just like you walked into that news agent, you turn around, you don't look and you walk out of there straight away. Just like you, you walked into that room and put your laptop on and all these things started coming up on your screen, you put that laptop lid down, you turn around and you walk out of there. Let, let's just see this, verse 14. So, my beloved, flee from idol, idolatry. And I'm speaking to wise men. That word flee is fuego, and it means to run. It means to move your feet as fast as you can, make a dash, put your head down, go for it with all your enemy, and get out of there. Well, I'm a mature believer. I don't need to do that. Surely there's just an easier, better way to deal with this. And this is what Paul says to you as a mature believer. The mature thing to do is avoid it altogether. Use your feet and get out of there. You know, I, I remember, this is, this is a lot of years ago, church we were in, um, in town we lived in up in the north. And uh, this, this, this church we were in had a change of minister. And the, the, and the new minister wanted to take the church in a different direction. In fact, he did take the church in a different direction, a very different direction, to what the, the, the bulk of the congregation was used to. And people started getting upset by this, they started getting uh, bothered by it, they started to, to get into all sort of thing, questioning everything he said, complaining about him. And, and slowly, at first, but then very quickly, people started leaving the church. And the people who were left behind started wondering, well, why has they left the church? Why have they left it? What's happening? What's going on? And they engaged and they got involved in all this gossip and all this, this discussion and all this talking behind backs and, and all that sort of thing. And I'm, I'm kind of ashamed to say that, that we did too. And, and we got involved in all that. And, and eventually, you know, it got to the point where there wasn't that many people left in the church. And Cheryl and I were still there and we were still doing this. We were still moaning. We were still complaining. 
and so on and so on, and eventually we left. That was wrong. We should never have got engaged in that stuff. We, you know, when you get engaged in that stuff, when you get in the gossip, when you get in the offence, when you get in the bitterness, it does a work in your heart which is only and totally a work of the enemy. And the enemy just doesn't use one or two things. He starts using you to bring division. He starts using you to bring hurt. He starts using you to bring conflict. And ultimately, he uses you to destroy his church. And, and so we, we need to say, okay, I'm out of here. I'm not engaging with that sort of discussion. You know, if I walk into a negative conversation or a conversation of offence, what, or, or bitterness or unforgiveness or any of those things. My reaction, what Paul is saying is here, turn around and get out of there. Go out of it, out as fast as your feet can take you. Just do not participate because it's not just going to damage you. It's going to damage other people as well. And Paul's saying the mature believer, the mature thing to do in dealing with temptation is use your feet and get out of there as quickly as possible. Just like you went into that bad place, turn around and walk right out of it. So what happens when you do that? What happens when you turn around and walk right out of that bad place? I'm not saying, you know, you just don't hang around. Don't get involved. You know, if you, if you, you know... We, we often talk about going on diets, don't we? Cheryl's been nagging me about going on diets. That, you know, that you might think, well, why is the camera only waste up? Well, there's a reason for that. I'm not on the diet. But Cheryl talks about, like, going on diets. And one of the things that I have an issue with on diets is, well, let me put it plainly, I like double-deckers. Honestly, not, not the buses, the chocolatey ones. I like double-decker chocolate. And so it's, that, that's my point of problem. Now, if I said, okay, well, I'll just go out for a walk today. And I won't go anywhere near the sweetie shop. So I, I can go out for my walk. And then I'm thinking, well, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty altogether Christian. I can do it. In fact, you know, I'm such a strong Christian. I can walk past that sweetie shop. It's going to have no effect on me. And, I, and I'm walking past the sweet shop, and I think, wow, what a great Christian I am. I, can, I could go in there. I could go in, and I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to buy some fresh fruit. And Cheryl will be really pleased with me, because I've got my fresh fruit. Now, what should I do? Should I get my apple, or should I get my orange? And I go in there, and I'm on my way to the fresh fruit, and as I'm on my way to the fresh fruit, I see the double-deckers, and I go, ah, you've got no hold on me. I love that your little shiny things, but you can't touch me. I'm going for my... Hmm. Well, you know, I don't really have to eat it, do I? I could just, I could just look at it. I, let me show you how strong I am. I'm just going to look at that double-decker. Wow, look at, look at that double-decker. Wow. Ooh, that smells nice. But I, I'm, I'm strong. I can avoid that, that smell. Hmm. Well, I could buy it and give it away. I, that's what I'll do. I'll buy a double-decker and I'll show you how strong I am. I'll buy it and give it away. And then I go and I, and I go and pay for it and I'm out of that shop and I'm, I'm sat in, you know, stood outside and I'm thinking, well, one won't harm, will it? Eat, eat, eat. What was the point I should have dealt with that? Before I ever went in, 
Before I set off on that walk, I should have said, I'm going the opposite direction. We deal with stuff at the start and get out as quick as we can. And here's the thing, just like we walked into bad places, we turn around and we walk right out of them as quickly as we can. But we're not just walking out with no help. We're not just walking out, trying to stop that pull, trying to stop that drag back for us. We're walking out and turning away from something. But when we turn away from temptation, when we turn away from the words of the enemy, when we turn away from the words of the world, we see Jesus waiting for us. That's why Paul in that passage is reminding them of the communion, reminding them they're one body, reminding them of the victory of Christ. He's showing them his victory, he's showing them his beauty. And we go towards Christ. We don't just run away from the temptation, we run towards Christ. And we behold him. We go before the throne boldly and we find the grace we need you know it's really difficult to say i've discovered that it's really difficult to sin it's really difficult to give in to the temptation of that double decker chocolate it's really hard if you stand in front of the double decker chocolate or you don't go into the shop as i've told you not to you don't go in and you stood there and you go god i do all things to your glory and then you look at this, so you might see a double-decker in, in, or somebody might offer to buy you a double-decker chocolate, and you, go, and, and, you go, and you say, Lord, let that be for your glory. You see, when we have our eyes on the glory of God, when we involve Jesus in the situation, it becomes much harder to sin. Why? Because as we behold Jesus... We go towards him. We're drawn towards him. We're drawn towards his beauty. We're drawn towards his heart. We're drawn towards his holiness. We see who he is. We see his his purity and his holiness. And we desire it for ourselves and we run towards it. And we are free. And we stay free. Amen. You know... If you have been listening to this this morning or you you listen to it during the week and you think, well, I'm not free of any of that. So I I don't even know what it means to be in the kingdom of God. I don't know how to get there. But I want to be free. I want to turn away from all this stuff that's making my life a mess, all this sin, all this self-centeredness, all this rebellion against God, all these these wrong things, these things have got a hold of me. I want to walk free. Well, I'm offering you the ability to do that this morning. But it's not my ability. It doesn't come from wise words like this. It comes from the power of the Holy Spirit living in you as you were born again. How do you get born again? You make Jesus Lord of your life. You turn from your sins and you ask him to give you new life. So I'm going to offer you the opportunity to do that now. Just pray with me. Just follow me each sentence. Father. Just say that out loud. Father, I come to you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I choose to make Jesus Lord of my life. I make him my king. And I ask you to give me new birth, eternal life, Forgiveness of sins. 
And Holy Spirit, come to live in me so that I can walk free and serve Jesus all my days. Amen. And if you prayed that this morning, if you prayed that during the week, we'd love to hear from you. We, 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 we want to celebrate with you, but we also want to help you. So, you know, we've got stuff that we can send you. Uh, we, we, we can speak to you. We can, we can uh, communicate with you. We can get all sorts of stuff to you to help you with that on that journey and celebrate with you. Uh, so uh, to let us know, just Facebook messages, send us a message on this Facebook page you're watching it on, or email us at office at faithlifechurch.org.uk. Office at faithlifechurch.org.uk. And we'll help you on the journey. Amen. 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 Thank you, Mark. That's a, a really helpful teaching. I think this area is something that we all struggle with, whether it's temptation of chocolate or it could even be cheese. I think we might have nailed the chocolate one. Cheese might be yours. Cheese, I think, <laughs> is mine. I have to be careful. I'll swap your chocolate for cheese. Okay. <laughs> I have to be careful how much cheese I've got in my fridge because um, there will always be something to tempt us. And I loved what Mark said about when we focus on Jesus, on his glory. Um, and that's one of the things that I think God has been showing me, keeping Jesus and his word and the presence as our focus so that we can do the things that we're shown to do because temptation is one thing and as Mark was saying that's not a sin because there's always something there but it's then what we do and we can either fall into it or with the grace of God we can resist it and put in place some of the things that Mark has been sharing with us this morning. Um, and while he was sharing, it just, I was just reminded of Philippians 4. And it's so good to be reminded of the things that are helpful. And Paul is saying to meditate on these things. These things which you have learnt and received and heard and so in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. And so Philippians 4 from verse 8, Paul says, Whatever things are true and noble just and pure whatever things are lovely or of good report if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy meditate on these things so at those times where we feel tempted and it's really really difficult then watch where we put our focus meditate on the things that are helpful the things that uh, Paul talks about that will help us resist the enemy, resist temptation, to have those right at the forefront of our mind so that that's what we're looking at, that is what we're meditating on and that will enable us to turn away from the things that ultimately will harm us. Ultimately there is nothing wrong with chocolate, chocolate actually is a good thing but if we eat too much of it and we get, um, that's our desire, and we can even be addicted to things, then that's going to put weight on, and then that's going to bring in health problems. So chocolate isn't the, the difficult thing, but it's what the chocolate then does if we are succumbing to something that is not 
uh, good for us. So um, thank you, Mark. I'm going to listen to that again. Uh, it is an area that we need to be strong in, but strong in knowing what to do. And as always, these things that we bring as we minister, as we teach, it's to help us be able to walk strong in the Lord. And we have the Holy Spirit who is also rooting for us and will give us all that we need. So um, we'll have, there will have been birthdays this week. We know of uh, a few special ones. People will have had anniversaries. I think on anniversary and birthday days, you can have a bit of chocolate. You can. You? A well, little bit of chocolate doesn't do you any harm. So uh, I hope you've had a, a good day and we pray for blessings on you um, last week and next week. Um, so yeah. any other no notices to mm -hmm. bring before we leave? No, I don't no, think so. No, no, other than to say we love you guys. Yeah, we love you. We pray blessings on you. There's coffee after uh, this meeting and the link will come up on Faith Life Family WhatsApp and uh, connect with each other as awful as, as usual. Stay safe, um, be blessed, love on each other and we will see you next week. Bye.